What's up there, RNFM Radio listeners? You're tuning in to episode 149, and we're hanging out on the pulse of nursing. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. Everyone out there, the community at large, the RNFM Radio community, we are here today, not with a guest, but with the trifecta. That's right, we have got the trifecta. Myself, Kevin Ross here, your co-host, Keith Carlson, my co-host who's been in the saddle with me going on four years now. And of course, our wonderful other female presence here on the show on RNFM Radio, Elizabeth Scala, hanging out in Maryland. We're going to bring her in in just a second, but I just want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in today. Your time is precious to us. We know time is precious, and hopefully you're taking our show on the go. And if you don't know about that, head over to rnfmradio.com under the podcast section if you'll see podcast in the link there and there's also a how to listen because we would love for you to take this show on the go you can reach us on stitcher radio tune in radio any of your mobile apps on your device if you're an ios user then the podcast player is right there built in and android users you can just grab some other podcast uh, uh, app out there just podcast republic or something else but you can take us wherever you are because that's where we want to be Without further ado, let's rock this show. Let's roll today. And I want to bring in, as I always do, Keith Carlson and, of course, Elizabeth. But, Keith, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing great here in sunny Santa Fe. And it's good to be here again, as usual. And, you know, this show, you were saying you used the word precious earlier. And this show is precious to us because we're at episode 149. We're closing in on 150. And we're probably going to celebrate our bicentennial our 200th in 2015 so this is a really exciting time for us just starting april and you know what kevin today is april 1st when we're recording it is april fool's day can you believe it it is definitely april fool's day and i don't know that we have any april fools for our community but you never know what's going to happen today because it is still april 1st all day long as, as far as this recording but I too, Keith, I am so excited as well. I could just pee my pants. So, but I'm not going to pee my pants right do now that. because we also need to bring in our awesome female co-host today on RNFM Radio. So, Elizabeth Scala in Maryland, rocking it out there. Elizabeth, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys, and I am rocking and rolling because April 1st, April Fools, is one of my favorite holidays since I just absolutely love to play. I got a funny email from my father that totally tricked me out today. He he works for a large company, and the email said they were going back to mandatory suits, you know, how back in the day he'd have to wear a suit. <laughs> and he just actually recently retired to um, their retirement home in, in Cape May, New Jersey. And so I was like, Dad, you got out of there just in time. So that was a pretty good joke, and I, I definitely got fooled. So I am happy to be here and happy to be on the show. And it's no joke that you're hearing me on RNFM radio. No, not an April Fool's. I, I do love April Fool's, and I know my kiddos do too, and my wife did this great trick on them this morning. She's got more in store for them, but they don't listen to the show, so they won't know, and obviously it's not <laughs> live on April 1st. But the thing is, is that they were going, we have lots of cereal in our cabinet, and she always hates that I admit this, but we have, probably have like 20-plus boxes of cereal in there because wow. we mix our cereals in the same bowl. So like... Nobody eats just one cereal in the bowl. Like they put two, three, four different types of cereals in the same bowl. I don't know. Maybe it's weird. But this morning, my oldest started like pouring cereal and he's like, hey, wait a minute. That's not what that's supposed to be. Like it was like, 
you know, it's kind of like a mini wheats thing. We, we try to, of course, buy as many natural cereals as possible, but still nothing was lining up. Every time he would pour something, it would be something else. And he was getting a little ticked off. And then the other <laughs> ones were coming down doing the same thing. And like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so of course, Katie, my wife, she's not listening, but if she were the joke, definitely it, you did great on this April fool's day for sure. Oh, that's great. And you know, I came home from my networking meeting this morning and meeting with the client and Mary, my wife has been sick and she was in bed. I went upstairs to say hi and we were chatting and I was asking her what she needed. And she said, you know what? Renee called from Boston, our son, Renee, and he said his wife, Bevan, was fired from her job today. And she totally got me because she's been amazing in her new job at Brigham and Women's. I'll talk about that another time. And uh, she totally tricked me. And I said, you've got to be kidding. She said, yeah, April Fool's. <laughs> That's a good one. So I got got today, I have to admit. So I'm eating some humble pie here. Well, hopefully that's a tasty humble pie. I like pie. I don't know, humble pie. I love pie too. Yeah, pie's good. Yeah. But speaking of pie, guys, I mean, this is great. Uh, This might be a good segue, even though it's not uh, pie day. But let's talk about pieces of the pie and gender and also how that relates to money, getting paid, your salary, your worth, or of course, whether you're getting paid what you're worth or what you feel you're worth, let's just talk about this gender inequality that's going on. And man, what a buzz. And I know Elizabeth has something to contribute here because of the gender inequality as far as pay is concerned in the nursing realm when it is predominantly women in this space. And of course, if some of you haven't heard about this inequality with pay, I know a lot of you have kind of understand across multiple platforms or other corporations or other cohorts or other groups or professions, we do talk about women getting paid sometimes 60 or 70 cents on the dollar compared to men. But how is that actually happening in nursing? And the data that's out there, is this really accurate? But we're going to provide a little bit of our context and commentary on what we think about these numbers. But you know, Elizabeth, you actually wrote a post over there on LinkedIn under Pulse Network the gender pay disparity in nursing, how to balance the scales. And of course, I love that. And let's, let's let you lead in, you know, ladies first, what are you feeling about this whole male nurses making more money? As of course, it's stated in, in all of these studies, as they say, the study and all of these blog posts that are going out there and it's going viral. Yeah, it's fascinating to me, Kevin, especially because the U.S. census data still shows that the women outnumber the men nine to one in nursing. So to me, I, I just, I, I, I find it, it's just kind of incomprehensible to be honest, because if there's that many more women, I, I don't really understand, I guess, how it can be possible, especially when some of the comments in some of these articles, the one reference um, that was on Huffington Post today, they interviewed some nurse leaders Um, the dean at the School of Nursing at Johns Hopkins University, um, a researcher at University of Pennsylvania, and talking about, you know, maybe it's because women go into nursing, finding that flexible schedule, able to balance, you know, raising family and and having a career. And the men, they're just the workhorses. They're working the 40-hour work weeks. They don't take breaks. But to me, there has to be gallons and gallons of men working these hours to to make that disparity. So it's very, very interesting to me. And and I'd love to hear also, since you both um, read the posts, what you think about it. I don't want to hog the conversation being the minority on this radio show. Ooh. 
<laughs> I know what well, exactly, exactly. That's the interesting piece. Yes, Elizabeth, you are the minority. And thank goodness, Keith, I wanted to talk about this so, so much, but I didn't want us just to be the only ones on the mic. I'm so glad to have Elizabeth Excellent here because I just, I know I just didn't want to feel like I'm stepping on anybody's toes. I want to give my perspective for sure, but you know, feel free to take this, Keith, and, and I got a lot to say as well. So however you want to roll, my friend. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I've been hearing for a long time, and I think there are some studies on this, though I'm not 100% certain, I'm going to have to look this up, that men do anecdotally rise faster into management and what you would call C-level positions in nursing and healthcare. I don't know if that would be backed up by research, but I bet it would. And I'm a director of nursing of a home health agency, so I may be one part of that, uh, part of those statistics, which disturbs me on some level. But anyway, so personally, I'm not surprised by this pay disparity that's actually been borne out by real research that we can't argue with in any way. And no one can say, well, that's not quite true. It's just anecdotal. And it's totally true that women outnumber men nine to one in the profession. So we can look at this from the healthcare industry perspective. We can look at it from the perspective of our specific profession within the industry, which is nursing, obviously. And then we can extrapolate it out into our whole culture and our society. And I'm also very curious myself about other countries, especially Europe, Australia, Asia, where I'm assuming the numbers of men and nurses, men in nursing are about the same. So Kevin, I know you're dying to say something, but let's, let's see what you have to say first in terms of just get 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 it off your chest, Kev. Okay, all right. It's a it's a big weight here. Okay, and I know that we we do want to also break down that you know where's this where's this data coming from? And this was a study over like a twenty year span, I believe, and ended in two thousand eight. And I think there are a lot of holes that we can kind of punch through this. But I also do want to acknowledge that I do feel that this inequality does exist in every profession. I just you know across the board, it does exist in every profession, except, however. And not in my companies. I don't tolerate it. I don't. We pay based on experience. And I want to talk about that just for a second. So some people on these communities and forums have said, well, you know, hospitals are creating this ladder or this scale, this pay scale based on RN experience or nursing experience. However, I will say that I remember when I went to Hopkins for a job and I don't want to necessarily call anybody out. They did have a, a pay scale or nursing but I was not always a nurse. And I tell you what, when I was meeting with the, the hiring team and HR, I was heavily trying to negotiate a higher salary just to see where I would get. And, and I was a new grad, but I was also talking about what I could bring to the table. We've talked about this in RNFM, the fact that I had run businesses before, I'd been in management, I knew finance, I'd been in, in, edu in the educational space. I had been in so many spaces, customer service, and I really kind of sold this high idea of, listen, working at the bedside and working in these settings, I am providing customer service. Yes, there are clinical skills that are definitely involved in the fact that I am fresh out of nursing school and, and lack very little of it based on my preceptorships and, and sort of the capstone and everything that goes along with that. However, I will say that I was there trying to heavily negotiate all of my other experience with those hiring directors and HR and, and have them base my salary on that. They kind of kept going back to this whole ladder thing and this scale thing. 
until like I brought up some very valid points. And I don't want to go into full details because I don't want to make anybody angry here, but I'll tell you what, I've always negotiated my salaries. And that comes even across the board as an entrepreneur. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So lots of holes could be punched into this to say, well, there are scales, there are ladders. How is this possible that a man can come in with the exact same amount of experience and still get more money when there's a, there's a set scale and HR dictates that or finance dictates that. So how's that even possible? But to, Keith, you talked about moving up management, getting to C-level or, or middle management positions a lot quicker. And, and that could be, you know, that could certainly play a role here for sure. And then based on other licensure or additional experience as, as Elizabeth, and I'll let her talk more about it, where does this RN maybe the same years of experience, but maybe does this gentleman have an additional certification added to his license that may add a little bit more of that layer or give him that much more of an edge for that pay. So I don't know. I have, I'm not in the clinical space now, so I can't really speak from the space of this ladder. We, in my companies, we do kind of have a tier based on experience, but we look at experience all across the board. The entire resume, the entire LinkedIn profile, it's not just nursing experience. It has everything to do with that individual because even if you served coffee and you did it with a smile, customer service, that's been a priority to you and it's a priority to us. That's, I could continue to lift stuff off my chest, but that's definitely one aspect that I, you know, I really know that I think people are trying to punch holes in. Absolutely, Kevin. You know, it's great that we're talking about this today. And as I mentioned, I had posted that article on LinkedIn and it was very timely. In fact, uh, to be honest, it's it's received the most comments that any of my posts have done on, on Pulse on LinkedIn. So some of the commentary are the pieces that you just touched on. Um, nurses talking about negotiating their salaries. And so I... Part of my post was just to say, okay, here is what's going on on social media. Here is the research. Here's the article that I read. But then I was trying to offer solutions in terms of what can you actually do about it and how can we shift this? So in the commentary, it was wonderful. Uh, a nurse practitioner mentioned, you know, she wants to learn skills of salary negotiation and feels this is a place where she can grow. So I think that um, something we can do in, in response to this sort of gender or gender uh, wage disparity is uh, teach nurses, men and female now, all nurses, skills outside of simply the nursing skill set. Um, teaching them skills about salary negotiation. Because like you just mentioned, you did that. But what I did when I went, I was like, oh, that's what they offered me and that's what I got. <laughs> so <laughs> very different scenario. Yeah, you, you basically just accepted vanilla, but I want sprinkles. <laughs> I want sprinkles on my cone. And you deserve sprinkles. I want sprinkles. just vanilla. That's right. Yeah, we all deserve sprinkles. All right. I was just going to say another comment that someone else placed, which was a question I also heard you sort of begin to raise, was what roles are these male nurses doing versus the female nurses? And in the census report, uh, men's rep representation was highest among nurse anesthetists at 41%. So I wonder too, as you said, men um, rising up the clinical ladder more quickly, getting into those executive level jobs, maybe getting advanced degrees that pay higher, higher salaries. So there's a lot that, like you said, poking holes into research and research in itself can be poked at because we can really twist the numbers however they they we want them to fall. Uh, but again, I'm not downplaying the um, seriousness 
of the topic, because as we know, it, as you said, it's across all careers. So it's just interesting that there are um, reasons why and to get to the bottom of those reasons so that we can come up with the solution for them. Right. That's Solutions are so important, Elizabeth. And in terms of poking holes in research, everyone loves to do that. We can all do it. And a lot of research deserves poking because we know that a lot of it can be flawed. We have to look at the, you know, there's so many aspects of research we can look at. And of course, my hope is that this will spur more research. My hope is that the IOM, the Institute of Medicine, will get involved, that other organizations will get involved, that the ANA is going to speak up and have something to say about it. I'm sure they have already. I just, it hasn't been on my radar. And I'm also wondering, it's in terms of, looking at the percentage of men in nursing who have higher degrees. It's looking at the roles they're serving in. How do they get those roles? Like, how did I get to a DON CNO position? How did I get there? And why did I get there? And I can think back on my own career where I was fresh out of school, 1996. I had an ADN. I came into a community health center in Massachusetts. And within six months, I was actually the team leader of a team of doctors, PAs, nurse practitioners, medical assistants, and nurses. Some of those nurses were LPNs. I had an ADN. However, most of them had at least 10 or 15 years experience, but I was put in the leadership role and I was the only male nurse at that health center. So that must have had something to do with the dynamics there. And it also, it makes me wonder about, okay, if men are rising higher, if men are getting more money, Who's doing the hiring? Who's doing the interviewing? Who's in HR? And who's in management? And if we're running into these issues where perhaps more men are in management, men are hiring men, men are bringing men up in the ranks more quickly and paying them more to retain them, there's definitely something we have to look much more deeply at. Oh, I would agree, Keith. And actually, I love how you open that whole thing up with the ADN or, you know, the associate level RN versus the BSN, because in many states or across multiple hospitals within the state or the country, ADNs are getting very similar, if not the same as a BSN. Now that's not always the same. Some hospitals are still differentiating between those degrees, but then other hospitals are saying, well, an RN is an RN. However, I did read some input about an LPN who got actually to the top of her salary. Like she was pretty much capped out as far as she could go. And then I think she also mentioned, and I don't know if Elizabeth, it was on your thread or another thread, but she was saying she capped out there, then got her ADN and then almost like had to start all over. So she was actually making less money as an RN than she was as an LPN and then had to move up. And I think she, she now has a BSN, but I, I can't quote that for sure. So what's wrong with that picture? The thing is, we're talking about nursing experience in this ladder or this box that HR or finance is trying to put you in. You, so you're basically acknowledging that you're not accepting her LPN experience at all in this sense. You're basically starting her over, at least from what she was saying. And if, if that's true, then how does that make sense when you're boxing somebody in by labeling like, well, RN starts here and LPN caps out here and RN caps out here. But again, what about her previous experience? 
I think there are a lot of things that don't make sense when it comes to nursing, and I'll just put that right out there. Uh, some of the ways that we we teach, some of the ways that we bring students up, some of the ways we pay, I just think it's very archaic. And and I wrote some of that in the end pieces and um, comments of my post as I was offering those solutions. And that was what I was going to ask too. Another part of that research could... Um, Someone made a comment and, and it spurred me to think about this. How many nurses go into nursing as their second career? So is that because more men get to nursing through their second career than women do? You know, I'm not sure of that answer myself. But when I look around at the accelerated nursing program at the school where I'm located nearby, uh, you know, I still see less males in that program. So I'm not even sure it's because there's more men coming in as, as a second degree, but that's just something else to think about is who's in the nursing schools these days. Well, and also think about this too, Elizabeth and Keith, feel free to chime in after this if you, if you'd like, but, but sure. also I know that in large companies, this is also an issue and this is not just hospitals or clinical settings or, or wherever, but in very large companies, sometimes they raise the salary. So like there might be a, just a global cost of living bump and nurses who have been working in this institution for years may not just somehow default to that bump. So let's say that a nurse is bringing in, we'll just use a nice round number of $50,000 base pay. I'm just saying 50,000. And then someone else comes in who maybe has either equivalent experience or maybe just a little bit less experience, but the hospital across the board has raised the, the cost of living wage or whatever as the entry is say 52.5 or 53 something or whatever that is. And so then you might have a new nurse coming in that just got hired at 53. Well, you've got a nurse who's been working there for a couple of years is only up to 50. They get lost in that mix as well because all of this stuff gets raised and somehow someone down the line somewhere does not realize that across the board, everybody needs that, at least that benchmark of where it starts so that when the new nurses come in, because I saw that, that that was a perfect example. I was seeing that as new nurses were coming in, some of them started making more money coming in than the nurses that were there who had been there for a couple of years. That doesn't make sense. That is totally bizarre. And this speaks to what you said, Elizabeth, that there's so many things in nursing. What did you say that don't make sense? There yeah. are so many things that don't make sense. I mean, we could enumerate them here for hours, but we're sticking with this pay disparity issue right now between the genders. And when I'm thinking about change and I'm thinking about it on various levels, where my mind is in this very moment as I'm speaking is, okay, do we need to look at negotiating skills for nurses like Elizabeth, you mentioned about 10 or 15 minutes ago. So there's one piece. Then there's the other piece where like Kevin is speaking to individual institutions that need to realize, yes, we need to start everyone at this particular place. Like Kevin, you said 50,000 or whatever it is. Everyone needs to be on a level playing field, so to speak. And then I'm also thinking about, like I mentioned very early on in the show, systemic change. Are we looking at societal and cultural values and practices and biases, et cetera, that, you know, we're, I mean, we're not in the Mad Men era anymore, but Obviously, these pay disparities are the same as they've been for decades. Women in general still earn only, what, 80-something cents on the dollar that men do. I'm not sure of the exact number right now in 2015. So 
I'm assuming myself right now that the change needs to be multifaceted, multi-level, that none, none of this can be changed from one perspective. I'm pretty sure about that personally. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, if you are a nursing leader, so we have to then as nurses decide where we're going to tackle the problem. If we're in academia and we're a nursing professor and we are teaching uh, the nursing students about some of these issues that we speak about on RNFM radio, then we have to take it upon ourselves to be those role models and mentors to teach people these new ideas. If we find ourselves in leadership uh, levels or the executive suite of nursing and we're, or we're making the hiring decisions, then again, we have to be at those, in those conversations. So I think it's really about bringing ourselves to the table and um, finding our skills, finding our unique traits, and then using them to, uh, you know, really empower the profession of nursing. And then the way I like to do it, because I usually don't have one of those seats at one of those big tables, is encourage folks to make change locally. And that starts from within the individual. So, you know, if you don't have a say, if you're not on a committee, if you don't have a leadership role, you really can make changes within yourself, which is getting education about salary negotiation, um, working on how you value and think about yourself. So there are things you can do as an individual. So taking, taking an initiative in one way, I would just encourage all of our listeners to do at least one thing. I would agree with that, Elizabeth. And I think it's good. I mean, we talk about like banging the pots or trying to rattle the cages and I think we could we could probably frame that conversation a little bit more professionally so that we don't look like complainers. But I agree that getting well, starting at the level of professors, those in the teaching institutions to help with those negotiations and to really kind of help elevate that thinking for the nurses that are coming out of school. And then also the committees that they can be a part of when they first come out of school and and the experienced nurses as well to really not just complain or come across as complaining regarding the salaries. And not just that that inequality with salaries among you know men and women, but just salaries across the board. Because we know, I mean, the research is just it is it's like literally black and white. And if you want to punch holes, fine. But I'll I, I invite punching holes in this. But by elevating salaries, just period for everyone, and of course not having that gender inequality or that pay inequality across the genders, but to really just raise it to a level where people feel like okay, this is definitely a livable wage. I definitely feel like, okay, all the work that I'm doing here, this, this is a wage that I, that I can agree with, that I feel is, is fair for the services that I'm providing. We could also have more retention, just period. I mean, I don't, I don't want to deviate the conversation because I know we're talking about inequality and gender here, but I think if more women get involved in those discussions to say, hey, listen, you know, not to come across as like this negative Nelly here, but I think just across the board, we need to elevate here. We need to get salaries that are reasonable for the services that we are providing. And in turn, the institution would likely find that return on investment would be, you know, in spades. It could be tenfold because if you've got nurses that are burning out and leaving these, you know, clinical spaces within the first year, maybe they'd stick around two, three, four, five years or, or longer. That's right. That's cutting down on attrition. And we all know that attrition costs money, that training nurses costs money. And having a revolving door of employees is not in anyone's best interest. So that's a good point, Kevin. And, you know, in terms of who has a place at the table, 
there definitely needs to be ongoing and broad conversations about who has a place at this table or set of tables or this restaurant, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what it is. So Kevin, maybe you can coin something about this, but there's, there's a big ecosystem for lack of a better term, wherein nurses are negotiating, where they're working, where they're interacting with others, where they're climbing the career ladder, getting more education, et cetera. So if we take a step back and we look at, say, the Institute of Medicine study on the future of nursing that everyone's been talking about for, what is it, a year or two years, something like that. So a lot of us know that that IOM study called for, I don't know, a huge majority of nurses to be baccalaureate prepared by 2020. I don't think we're actually going to reach that benchmark, and I'm not sure how important the benchmark is really. However, the IOM was involved in this this study. They put together this information on the future of nursing. One question I need to ask as a devil's advocate here is, was there anything in that study about pay, about salary, about movement and lateral and horizontal movement within, well, actually, no, that would be vertical movement, climbing the ladder within the healthcare industry and the nursing profession. And if there hasn't been, I would think the IOM, the ANA, all these organizations who are key players need to put their heads together and say, wow, if we want nurses to be baccalaureate prepared, if we want more nurses to up their game and step out and step forward and step up, then we need to make sure they're actually making enough money to stay in the profession in the first place. That's exactly right. Because, I mean, I think that's where I'm going. I know a lot of nurses say, well, I think we make a livable wage. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of primary care physicians that are getting out of that space because their reimbursements are so low. Docs aren't making what they used to unless they specialize or maybe do concierge medicine. But again, I, I love your points, Keith. And, and, and Elizabeth, chime in here. I did coin a term here for the C-level, that would be club seating sort of at a sporting event. So I've actually had the privilege of doing a few club seating events and trying to learn how the other half lives or whatever, although I don't mind being down in the, in the benches or wherever the, the rest of the, the crew are. But certainly inviting that conversation to, inviting other people to the conversation of those C-level tables, we encourage that. We open that up for 180 degrees. So we flip the script, we turn it up on its head, whatever we need to do, and hear from is as, as low down, if you're looking at a hierarchy, as low down as the interns within our company, all the way up to the executive team, director level team, we want to hear from them. We invite them to the table at any moment, because I'll tell you what, with them having the boots on the ground in the day to day, if we don't have our eyes and ears open to that, then, then we obviously either don't know what's going on or just are not, just not aware of it to make that change. So we need to hear from them. I mean, that's just extremely important. I find it interesting that both of you just brought up uh, nursing salary in and of itself, you know, regardless of this gender disparity. There was a comment on the post uh, a gentleman put and said, you know, he knows that nursing salaries are all over the place, just depending on where you're located, depending on if your organization is maxed out and they're, they're you know, in a hiring or, or maybe pay salary freeze um, and knows that nurses are sort of not making the money that they ought to make and, and leaving the profession, as, as you just mentioned, to go work in other places that they make much more money in. 
And then, you know, still helping people, maybe working in OT or PT, still caring, still using their skills of helping patients, but maybe leaving the profession of nursing. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I feel like overall, globally, our profession sort of uses old, uh, old tricks for new dogs. And so we really need to start to think about the way we do things because healthcare, the face of healthcare is shifting. The environment that we work in is changing. And to keep up with that, as I mentioned earlier, we need to bring in other skill sets. We need to learn from the business sector. We need to learn from entrepreneurs and what they're doing. We need to learn how to sell and how to market. We need to learn how to be online and use the internet and, and grow our professional network. So I feel like, you know, gender disparity is um, in pay is bringing up sort of uh, lots of little budding seeds for resolution and opportunities where we can make changes. Right. Well, let me just make a bold statement here because I think the can of worms have been opened up or Pandora's box. So this, this could get, I don't want this to get ugly because let me preface, I am a very proud RN. I am a nurse. I am a registered nurse in Colorado and I love being a nurse. So please do not take this the wrong way for the listeners out there. But I'll tell you what, the way business, i.e. this overarching healthcare business views nurses, and I think just across the board, they still consider it a blue collar profession. That's a big issue. It is a, and, and some of you might be like, oh my God, what did he just say? And, and I'm not trying to call out blue collar workers. And, I mean, no disrespect for you out there because, I mean, we, we've all either been there, we have family there. So I don't want to dilute that, the importance of these jobs. But I will say, when you look at it across the board, nursing falls into this category of a blue collar worker, almost like this manufacturer or factory worker. And again, I, I am putting myself out there, my brand out there, and I'm laying it out there. And I know a lot of people could flame the heck out of me on that but I just want to be people to be aware that I think that's how we're viewed in so many aspects. Well, Kevin, I hear you on that. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show before. Maybe we did way back in the day, but I really can't recall at the moment. But nursing has been seen, yes, as somewhat of a blue collar um, profession. Then there was this notion of the pink collar because it was a female dominated profession, still is, right? 90%. So pink collar is what was used for a while, but nursing really falls into a, a very different category because nursing is across the board. It's not, nursing is not a very monochromatic profession. We do so many different things and we work in so many different venues and so many different milieus that you can't say that nurses are one thing or another. Of course, if you have C-level nurses, then of course they're C-level, but there's so many things that we do. There's so many hats that we can wear that it's very difficult to narrow it down to that one thing. But I do hear you on the point that we are generally put in that particular labor category for better or worse. I don't really know. Right. Well, and, and again, I mean no disrespect because I've worked construction. I have worked what you would label as blue collar work. And, and actually that's the interesting thing is as a, as a nurse versus some of these blue collar professions, I actually made a heck of a lot more like sometimes in some cases twice as much as I would as a clinical nurse at the bedside in this, in another quote unquote blue collar profession. So, I mean, there's still those issues as well. But again, I think that with the ANA and, you know, all of these powers to be that want to raise that level of a minimum of a BSN for entry as an RN, 
I think that's also part of it. Maybe they don't want to necessarily come right out and say it, but I definitely think that this is really something that is in the back of their minds. They don't want to necessarily come to the forefront and say, yeah, we're sick of like being considered a blue collar profession. So that's why we got to raise this to the BSN level. But I'm sure it's been a topic of conversation or a thought. You're giving food for thought for future conversation, I would I would suggest. <laughs> I know, I know. So let's, okay, we don't want to go down too far down that rabbit hole. So we could say that for another one. Um, but it is definitely very near and dear, and I'm very passionate about that. So we'll table that for another show. I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Now, you know, boy, there's so many more places we could take this particular conversation. I do want to point out just for the sake of it, that here on RNFM Radio, it has been pointed out to us that since Anna Morrison left the show during our first six months of broadcasting for personal and professional reasons, we haven't had a female voice on the show for a regular, on a regular basis for quite some time. And we've had many, many, many female guests on the show, which is lovely. It brings the female perspective. But Elizabeth, your appearance on the show today as our new co-host is really wonderful timing in that we're discussing something very salient to you and you now represent 33% of the co-hosts on RNFM Radio. And I think it's important for the nurses out there to feel that we as a collective here on RNFM are actually representing the profession to some extent. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad to be the female voice of RNFM Radio. It's it's exciting. It's it's quite an honor. When it was announced last week, I was um or, or yeah about a week ago, I guess, on social media, I was just thanking everyone, everyone giving me kudos and cheers and saying quite an honor. So. I'm thrilled to be here, but it is interesting that I am in the minority at the 33%. <laughs> I know it is interesting. It is interesting. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll have five or six or seven co-hosts here and then the rest will be women. No, <laughs> we never know, but, but <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what, when you know what's going to happen, sorry to cut you off, but this is totally no, no, what ahead. I've got to say for this conversation, ladies out there listening, I'm going to rise above and be the most well-paid of everybody on RNFM. How's that? Oh, <laughs> that's right. a, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We can make that happen. We can. All right. All right. But, but you know, Elizabeth, as entrepreneurs, this is something that I talk about. I've talked about on RNFM and on the Innovative Nurse Show as well about tips to negotiating your fees. And this is a this is a place where I think nurses can not only learn from the negotiations here, but going back to that, like wiping the slate clean, like, okay, forget what these ladders are and these boxes are that you're boxed in at these institutions. This is your opportunity to start anew, to take that experience across all of your experiences as a nurse, as a as a business owner, as someone who was in customer service years ago, maybe you were a teacher and capture that in a fee or reimbursement that really is what your net worth should be as far as the equity that you have and that you bring to the table. And I talk to a lot of nurse entrepreneurs about that. And this is definitely an opportunity that I also, that, that nurses can seize, but I see that there are so many issues with it. I.e. a big example is we have other nurse consultants out in the, a very similar space of Spire Health doing concierge healthcare. And oftentimes they are trying, they, they just go in and they don't even know they go to the table and they might actually charge half, if not a third of what we might charge. And then ultimately they get themselves in a bind because they're trying to keep up 
but with the revenue that they're generating, it, it's not enough for them to sustain as a business and keep their business afloat. And so then we all, always have other clients or businesses come in and say, well, we'll hire you even though you're twice the price because we know that you'll be able to execute on that. And so that's the thing that I teach nurses is I almost like shake my head or do a face palm where I'll hear what a nurse charges per hour or per project to do certain things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost want to reach out across the table, even though they're getting this contract that we might've been bidding for and say, you really sold yourself short. And it's likely that if you can't sustain this, that you're going to find yourself in a bind and then ultimately phase out in your consulting career, your consulting business. And then we'll end up getting the contract anyway. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to come from a negative. I want more nurses out there consulting more entrepreneurs out there because with what we would call competition although i don't see it as competition i never look at it like that because if you're paying attention to competition then you're really losing sight of the customer focus on the customer first but with that breeds innovation and streamlining things and better customer service when you have more of us out there doing that i and again that's for another show but i see it in the entrepreneurial space a lot yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes in in terms of entrepreneurship, but I also think, you know, as that comment was shared on the post, I think that because nurses are finding themselves in new roles, you know, finding themselves being out in the community more, even if they work for an organization, that type of thing, because they're coming to nursing for a second, from a second, um, from a previous career into their second career, you know, there, there is going to be opportunity for nurses to use new skill sets. So you talking about it, Kevin, specifically for a nurse who's consulting, you know, it really can apply in my eyes to a nurse who's still working in a clinical role, who's looking for a promotion, who needs to have the courage and confidence within themselves and their self-worth to go in and say, I've been working here this amount of time and these are the things I've done and this is why I'm valuable and I believe that I, you know, am worth this raise or whatever it may be. So I think it also, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about here on the show, a lot of things we all ourselves individually teach our tribes really can be applied to nurses wherever they find themselves working. And at least that's what I um, have been tending to do is applying a lot of the entrepreneurial techniques and tips to a nurse working in a clinical role in patient care. Oh my God. Well said, Elizabeth. And you know what, Kevin, I am so glad we're recording this conversation because Elizabeth, the way that you just verbalized that, I'm going to have to listen to that again. And I think a lot of nurses out there who need to hear that message all they'll need to do is put what you just said in three or four sentences on a loop, put it on their phone, and listen to it 10 or 20 times before they go in to negotiate a salary or a raise. Right. That was the because show right there. That was the show. You're hitting the, you're just kind of hitting the, the, these main points that are so important about empowerment and self-worth. And we can talk about the societal stuff, and we can try to change it, and everyone's been trying to change these dynamics, gender disparity dynamics for decades. And it's only moving slowly. It's a slow moving ship. So you just hit the nail on the head. And I think I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things where she just like walks off the stage. She just drops the mic and it's done. Yeah. It's like, it, okay, yeah. I did it. I burned them up. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, she just, I mean, that's the thing, Elizabeth, what Keith is trying to say, like we can say these things, but then again, it's like, yeah, but you're just a couple guys on the mic and you're in that space where, yeah, you comfortable with negotiation and and your worth i'm glad that you were here to say that i mean this is such an apropos or just an oh opportune God. time to have you on 
with this particular post going crazy and this research going nuts. So I, you know, this is just perfect timing. And you did, you just kind of captured the whole show in like a minute and a half. So, but for all of you out there, you didn't waste your time listening to the rest of the show, but it was just a minute and a half and she just nailed it. Yeah. And it's nice to have those pearls because of course we can talk ad nauseum and Kevin, we usually do. And maybe Elizabeth will be reining us in a little bit here and there if she can get a word in edgewise. But the thing is that it's these little pearls within the conversations that we have. And a lot of it comes up spontaneously. So Elizabeth, I know you think about this stuff a lot, but however you put that together, that just really hit something that we all really needed to hear. And thank you for that. That was really beautiful. Oh, you're welcome both. And you're welcome, everyone. I mean, it's, it's just an honor to be able to share with the audience, with the listeners. You know, my goal, my intention is to have nurses out there working happy, you know, happy to be in their job, happy to be doing what they're doing and just enjoying themselves like we do. So, you know, I'm glad. I hope this reaches many people. Lots more nurses listen and, and tell your friends. <laughs> right. Come back next time. <laughs> right. Share with your friends. Well, Kev, speaking of sharing with your friends, I'm sure there's some things you want to say about how people can, you know, tune into the show notes of the show and kind of figure out how to make sure other people hear the message we've been sharing today, right? Right. And I'm going to go ahead and just stand on a, stand on a limb here. Hopefully it won't break off. We don't even have a URL for today's show notes, but I think if we go, if you go to rnfmradio.com forward slash gender gap, then I think, is that a good URL we could send them to? I mean, we, it's, it, it'll exist by the time the show is live. That's it, All right. but not, yep, yep. that's All it. right, so that, that's what we'll say. So rnfmradio.com forward slash gender gap, and you'll find out what's, you know, what we talked about today, at least in some sort of concise show note and and links to Elizabeth's post, which we, of course, encourage you to go over there. And we just love that fact that everybody is hanging over there at RNFM Radio because we do see ourselves curating valuable content and spinning it into our own voices. We want you to understand that some of the things that we said today are very heated and maybe a couple of the comments about the blue collar stuff. And again, all due respect to my fellow brothers and sisters out there, regardless of what profession you're in, that... We always mean well. Keith and I have been here for a long time, and, and Elizabeth's going to be here along with us in the saddle together. Boy, that horse is going to really get tired with three of us on the saddle. <laughs> but we, we genuinely do want to be here, and we want to just have you hear our voices and, and the authenticity here and that we want to help nurses. So, again, Elizabeth just nailed it. She was great today, and I'm so glad to have her along and Keith along you know, with you as well as a co-host. We should just be mindful of everybody's time. So just head over to rnfmradio.com to find out more about Keith, myself, and of course, Elizabeth. We got to get her profile up there as well. And then all of our guests under the podcast section as we start rounding out our episode 149 and heading to episode 150 for the next one. So as always, we like to thank you for spending your time with us today here at RNFM Radio and hanging out on the pulse of nursing. Hopefully today, especially today, that you have felt uplifted and motivated in something that needs to move the needle for you. Get out there and hustle. Rock it. Crush it. Innovate and create. Find that passion in your life and your career each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio. Radio.